0: Okay, this is the Bible study for chapter nine. I started talking so much on chapter eight that I forgot where I was in the Bible, but (laughs) we are on chapter nine. So this is called Worship in the Earthly Tabernacle. Now, the first covenant had regulations for worship and also an earthly sanctuary. A tabernacle was set up. In its first room were the lampshade and the table with its consecrated bread. This was called the holy place. Behind the second curtain was a room called the most holy place, which had the golden altar of incense and the covered and the gold covered ark of the covenant. The ark contained the gold jar of manna, Aaron's staff that had budded, and the stone tablet tablets of the covenant. Above the ark, were the cherubim of the glory overshadowing the atonement cover. But we cannot discuss these things in detail now. That whole description was, there was so much in there and so much to remember because I think these things are really important to know. And so that it's chapter nine, just that first paragraph is a really good paragraph to reread. And understand where it comes from, uh, or just understand the order of things. Because I this also relates to the new temple, the third temple, um, which remains to be built yet. And again, this is just like what chapter eight was talking about, the shadowing of things in heaven. So we also hear like in when you tie in Revelation, also, it will talk about the angel coming out of the temple with the, um, sensors. And this is, you know, there's a, there's a shadow, there is a replication of things here on earth, an earthly version and a heavenly version. And that's helpful to know. And the earthly version, uh, it was all given by God, the order of things so that people would understand. and, and, there's a lot. Um, I know when I read the Bible the first time and I, I really truly only did read Leviticus once. Um, I've been back in the book of Le- Leviticus to look some things up, but after reading it one time, I really didn't want to read it much more. But there is so much in there about the feast and to understand the seasons, um, that will really help you help us understand prophecy. When you start realizing that a lot of literal events happened on those feast days that are outlined in the book of Leviticus, and uh, just to understand what those feasts are, because as growing up Christian, of course, Jewish people know these feasts, but Christians don't. Unless you were, I mean, it's not part of Christianity, um, having those specific feasts, like the Feast of Tabernacles, Sukkot, um, the Feast of Unleavened Bread, uh, Passover, all of those things relate to us. I mean, they are the foundation of our, our Christian faith, but yet a lot of people in Christianity don't know anything about them and, or at least I didn't, I never was taught any of those things. And I'm still learning about those different feasts. And, um, you know, like the Day of Atonement, Rosh Hashanah, all of those things um, from the Jewish culture that are so, uh, so much a part of Jewish tradition and culture are very, very significant, especially in regard to prophetic times in also looking at um, the shadow of, like, there's significance in every bit of it. And to fully comprehend what scripture tells us, we need to know about those feasts and what they mean. And then we will also see how they relate to the Old Testament relates to the New Testament. It doesn't take anything away. Just like Jesus said that he came to fulfill the Old Testament, he didn't came to abolish anything, he came to fulfill it. And when we understand what those things are, we can see just like I've said before, many times about Passover, the blood of the lamb on the doorpost, and Jesus being the lamb, the blood of the lamb that covers that provides the covering for humans, just like that blood of the lamb kept the people that were behind that door safe from the angel of death that passed by, so those are those are symbolic, literal, symbolic and literal things at the same time, and so important for us to know. So read the first paragraph of chapter nine again and uh, do some you know search out information about that because it's very significant and important. Going back to scripture. When everything had been arranged like this, the priest entered regularly into the outer room to carry on their ministry, but only the high priest entered the inner room, and that was only once a year, and never without blood, which he offered for himself and for the sins the people had committed in ignorance." The Holy Spirit was showing by this that the way into the most holy place had not yet been disclosed as long as the first tabernacle was still functioning. This is an illustration for the present time, indicating that the gifts and sacrifices being offered were not able to clear the conscience of the worshiper. They Are only a matter of food and drink and various ceremonial washings, external regulations applying until the time of the new order. So, again, this is just talking about the symbolism and everything that was occurring in Jewish tradition had a symbolic meaning to a literal event happening all about Jesus. And again, this is just, it's so important for all of us to know this. Okay, getting back to scripture. But when Christ came as high priest of the good things that are now already here, he went through the greater and more perfect tabernacle that is not made with human hands, that is to say, is not part of this creation. He did not enter by means of of the blood of goats and calves but he entered the most holy place once for all by his blood thus obtaining eternal redemption the blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of a heifer sprinkled on those who are ceremonial unclean sanctify them so that they are outwardly clean okay let's Let's stop right here because this is really important too, because you may or may not know about the red heifers. So the red heifers, um, there haven't been perfect red heifers for about 2,000 years. It's been about that long. There hasn't been a red heifer sacrifice for that long because it the law requires a red heifer heifer of a certain age without blemish to be used as a sacrifice and the ashes are to be sprinkled on people so that they would be covered or there would be atonement and now in hebrews we are this is chapter 9 verse 13 it's saying the blood of goats and bulls And the ashes of a heifer sprinkled on those who are ceremonial unclean, sanctify them so that they are outwardly clean. So all that does is sanctify someone on an outward way. But let's get back to scripture. How much more then will the blood of Christ, who came through the eternal spirit, Offered himself unblemished to God, cleanse our consciences from acts that lead to death, so that we may serve the living God. So this is like this is so huge and so relevant right now because it's it's talking about Christ being the eternal sacrifice his death on the cross, because he had, he was, um, oh gosh, the, you know, it was God's, the spirit of God that made the Virgin Mary give birth to Christ. So that is how he arrived as a human and was sinless, blameless, and then was sacrificed. He willingly did it. When he was knew this was coming, he was praying to God the Father and said, if, if you can do this in any other way, let it be done. But if not, your will, not mine. He was in a complete surrender. He did this willingly. He wasn't like, you know, trying to run away from this. He knew this was it. He knew what his future would be. He knew there was an appointed time for everything. He was here for a purpose. It didn't just like happen. He he even said he was here to fulfill the scriptures. And he did things that the prophets talked about so that hopefully somebody would realize, yes, this is the Messiah. This is the one that the prophets talked about. But still, People, Not all people. Some people did. Some people got it. Otherwise, we wouldn't be Christians today, and there wouldn't be Messianic Jews today if people didn't have their eyes opened. So some people have, but not everyone has had their eyes opened. But the ashes of the red heifer are not necessary in because of what Jesus did. But there are people who don't understand that yet, and their eyes aren't opened, but all of us, before we became born again, our eyes weren't opened either. So we can't place judgment on anyone, and it's not judgment, or we can't um, have an opinion that, you know, one person is better than another, because we're not. It's just the timing, and when it happens with people. So anyway, um, this, okay, so for those who don't know, you might want to look up about the red heifers, because it as I started to say, it was like 2,000 years. There had never been a red heifer before, but the Jewish people are were always seeking one because they needed it in their minds right now. That's the way they're thinking. They need it for atonement, and it's been that long. It's been so long since they've been able to have atonement. They don't realize that Jesus did it for them, and they don't need the red heifer, but They don't know that yet. And so they are pursuing this. Well, there were five red heifers that were found and delivered and they are without blemish. So it was really interesting that they arrived in um, September of 2022. I think it was on September 15th, 2022. And what's really interesting is just a, you know, I don't think there's many coincidences anymore, but I, the, the date of the Abraham Accords was September 15th, 2020. And the date the red heifers arrived in Israel was September 15th, 2022. Just really interesting. Um, And there's, you know, significance to that, but you might want to Look into that a little bit and just be watchful, is all I will say. So again, Bible prophecy. So, and again, just thinking about the preparation for the temple. This is also a part of that. The red heifers factor into preparation for the third temple. So pay attention. You know, we're living in biblical times right now. We're living in a time where... Things are happening that the Bible, that the prophets talked about. And we're getting to see some of the stuff right now. Just pay attention. Keep your eyes open. And that's why I say everybody needs to get prepared. Because when we see these things happening, it won't be too long before Jesus returns. So find out. You know, you're going to want to know approximately the thing, well, you'll want to know at least what Jesus told us um, would happen before his coming so that you can recognize them when they happen. Don't be like the people who were living when Jesus arrived and didn't recognize him because they didn't know or because their mind had a different picture of what it was going to be like. We need to know what's in scripture so that when these things happen, we can recognize it and say, okay, I read, a, I read about that. I know what kind of comes next, and we can be uh, prepared in that way. But I'm not talking about that kind of preparation. I'm talking about the internal preparation of our relationship with Jesus, with God, that we are reconciled, that we are on good terms with God before Jesus returns. So I'm going back to Scripture. For this reason, Christ is the mediator of a new covenant that those who are called may receive the promised eternal inheritance now that he has died as a ransom to set them free from the sins committed under the first covenant. So this is super important again. So Christ is the person who made it possible for us to be in eternity and he he died as a ransom, he broke the curse, he freed us from the slavery of evil, which we are all in if we are in a sinful state, we are in slavery. We are um we are trapped, we are bound into slavery and we just we're blind, we don't see it, we don't get it, we don't realize we it's it's so deceptive that it feels like freedom, but it's not it it's it's so deceptive that it has minds of people thinking they are in freedom when they think like i'm going to just do my own thing i'm going to do have my own way it's all about me all these kinds of things that's pure deception where people are really believing that and they are bound in slavery but they don't even see it it's only when you finally when your eyes are opened that you actually see the bondage that we are all in and the slavery that we are all under in bondage to sin but that sin only leads us to death and so what more what more freedom could you have than eternity in a life with God and Christ in his presence i mean it's It's, I guess, it's easy when somebody's eyes are opened to see this so clearly, but I can remember when my eyes were not opened and it was very confusing to me and I didn't get it either. Um, But when someone truly comprehends, and this is only by a relationship with God and God making it able, in fact, There were many times when Jesus was talking to his disciples, and he'd ask them questions, and they would respond. And he said, he would basically say, "Well, that's that's great that you know that, but you wouldn't know that on your own. It's only God that enabled you to know that." So there's this spiritual way that God will open our eyes when we seek Him. Like he said, "If you seek Him, you will find Him." So that's an offer to every single human being who wants to know God. If you want to know God, you will know God and God will connect with you in his own way. And so that's what's so amazing and wonderful about this. Going back to scripture, in the case of a will, it is necessary to prove the death of the one who made it because a will is in force only when somebody has died. It never takes effect while the one who made it is living. This is why even the first covenant was not put into effect without blood. When Moses had proclaimed every command of the law to all people, he took the blood of calves together with the water, scarlet wool and the branches of hyssop, and sprinkled the scroll and all the people he said this is the blood of the covenant which god has commanded you to keep in the same way he sprinkled the blood he sprinkled with the blood both the tabernacle and everything used in its ceremonies in fact the law requires that nearly everything be cleansed with blood and without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. That's a, okay, so that's a law. That must be a spiritual law. So without blood, there is no forgiveness. Um, In fact, the law requires that nearly everything be cleansed with blood and without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. So you can understand why the Jewish people want to have the heifer sacrificed so that there is a cleansing for forgiveness. Um, We can go directly to God now because Jesus provided that um, through his death on the cross. He became, he was the, the blood that was sacrificed to give us forgiveness through God So repentance, when we ask for forgiveness and we want to change our life, it's possible without sacrificing animals now. But not everyone knows that. Going back to scripture. It was necessary then for the copies of the heavenly things to be purified with these sacrifices, but the heavenly things themselves with better sacrifices than these, for Christ did not enter a sanctuary made with human hands that was only a copy of the true one. He entered heaven itself, now to appear for us in God's presence, nor did he enter heaven to offer himself again and again, the way a high priest enters the most holy place every year with blood that is not his own. Otherwise, Christ would have to have suffered many times since the creation of the world, but he has appeared once for all at the culmination of the ages to do away with sin by the sacrifice of himself. Just as people are destined to die once and after that to face judgment, so Christ was sacrificed once to take away the sins of many, And he will appear a second time, not to bear sin, but to bring salvation to those who are waiting for him. Okay, you're going to want to read that one, that verse again. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27. Just as people are destined to die once, and after that to face judgment. Stopping right there. This is something that Every person needs to know. When you die, the condition that you're in when you die, there's no changing. You can't, when you die, you have sealed your destiny. I want to make that clear for people because I know there are teachings out there that teach contrary to this. The condition that you are in when you die, it says just as people are destined to die once and after that to face judgment. After our death, we will either be in a, I mean, it says that we are asleep. So um, the way the Bible explains it, a person dies and then they are either in Hades or in some realm. I don't know exactly what it, it's called. P- paradise, I guess, is what Jesus said to the um, the man on the cross next to him. He said, surely you will be in paradise with me. So um, that's, you know, there's a place called paradise, but there's, it's not complete yet, because there's still people here on earth that God is waiting for. And until This resurrection happens when Jesus returns, and that's even, there's still more to come after that. So the people who have the Holy Spirit, who know Christ, who were reconciled with God when they died, all those people are going to resurrect when Jesus returns. But it's only the people who know God, who have believed, who have the Holy Spirit that will be resurrected and they will have, they will receive the perfect, the perfected bodies, the perfect bodies that God intended for people to have. Those people will, will have that when he returns. So there's still some people that are going to be in the ground. And those are the people who did not, who rejected Christ because everybody, um, has the opportunity to choose Christ or reject Christ. And there, we can kind of see some of this with people who have near-death experiences, and they talk about how there was some Some of them where you talk about an interaction um, with Christ or someone they presume was Christ, but there is people meet him and there's like, there's like visions. There's some people that were on their deathbed that said they had visions of Jesus, or they were told, um, you know, that they actually had a little bit more opportunity to live life differently. And they didn't die at that point. Um, but they, they, continued on in life a little bit longer and when those people that had those experiences they changed their life so that's something that puts a little bit in my mind a little bit of truth when you see like if somebody was not a believer and almost died or scientifically you know was considered dead but then all of a sudden they were revived and then all of a sudden they become a different person they live differently and they start talking about Jesus, and they start talking about changes, don't you think there's something to that? There's some truth to that? Um, So that's just an example. I mean, God does these things so that people get to know him. There's a purpose behind everything. God lets these miracles like this happen so that he can be known that's the whole reason behind every miracle that happens is so that god can be known so getting back to this just as people are destined to die once and after that to face judgment so you don't get you, you're you're sealed up where where you are when you die that's what i mean about preparation you have to be prepared you don't know when god's going to say hey your time's up you, you know it's time to go and we don't know when that's going to be. And so right now is the time, if you are not prepared, it's the time to get prepared. So so Christ was sacrificed once to take away sins of the many, and he will appear a second time. Not to bear sin. So when he was crucified on the cross, that's when he bore the sin of all mankind. But now when he comes back, he's bringing salvation to those listen, to those who are waiting for him. So are you waiting for him? Are you waiting for Christ? Are you prepared? If you're waiting for Christ and you're prepared, you know, salvation is close for you. But there's other people who are not waiting for him. In fact, if you ask somebody, if Christ came right now, or if you were judged today, you know, are you ready for that? And Sadly, there's a lot of people who aren't, or people who think, Well, I'd probably be okay, I'm pretty good, but they haven't had a completely changed life. They haven't been born again like Jesus said was required. Read John chapter 3 when Jesus was talking to Nicodemus. He said you had to be born of the Spirit, well, born of the water and born of the Spirit. Now, the water, the way that I understand this is the water was the repentance. So, John, called John the Baptist, prepared people for the coming of Christ, the coming of the Messiah. His baptism, it says in scripture, was a baptism of repentance. So repentance is the first step. It's saying, I'm rejecting sin. I want to live a new life. I may not be able to do it very easily, but I want to. I want to be reconciled with God. That's repentance. Then, You have to be born of the Holy Spirit, which is receiving the Holy Spirit from Jesus. Like Jesus already knows your heart. God knows your heart. God knows that you're repentant, that you want to change your life. Then Jesus will receive the Holy Spirit from the Father and give it to whomever asks with a heart that is you know, with a mindset, with a an inner being that really desires that, um, then the Holy Spirit will be given. And the Holy Spirit comes through Jesus. Just like Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So if we need the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is what raised Jesus from the dead. So if that that is what we need too, So the only way we get it is through Jesus. Does that not make sense then? What he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So the only way we get the Spirit is through Jesus. So, and Jesus said we had to be born again to enter the kingdom of God. We have to be born of the water, born of the Spirit. There has to be repentance. There has to be receiving the Holy Spirit. That's when someone is prepared. When you know that you have the Holy Spirit, you are prepared, and then you can say, come Lord Jesus, I'm ready for you. But don't be selfish about it. Make sure that everybody else that you know, everybody else that you care about is prepared as well, and that's what we're supposed to do. That's why God put us, there's no coincidences in life. We are in certain places at certain times because we can affect other people. We can affect other people positively or negatively. And the greatest way that we can affect anyone is in opening their eyes to eternity and helping somebody else get prepared. It's a journey between them and God personally, but all we can do is assist in putting the two parties together if they've been apart for a long time helping somebody come to Christ and then, you know, let Christ and the person work that out. But that's what we can do for other people. For other people we love that are not prepared, but everybody needs to be prepared right now. Um, There's too much happening in the world. We need to be prepared. All of us do. So if you can help anyone get prepared, please do so. Because I know that's, that's God's will. He wants a lot of children in his kingdom will be brothers and sisters with Jesus. That's what God wants for all of us. So whatever you can do today, do whatever you can for other people. In Jesus' name, amen.